Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Good morning to all of you here and to our remote listeners. I'm Karen, one of the facilitators of a Zoom group. I had to write that down. How sad is that? Um, I'm so excited to be studying these nine Old Testament women with you this year. Um, so we're all working so hard to come together in these challenging times and reading about these giants of faith and to see ourselves and their stories, um, to know God better, to live the abundant lives that he has planned for us. So today we're spending time with Eve, our first mother, our role model for womanhood and motherhood, our first example of sin, how and why it happens, why we should avoid it, and how wonderful God's plans for us are. But let me first say we have big topics here. Um, the universe, uh, people, free will, evil, sin, suffering, and salvation. So the staggering implications of what Eve and Adam did um, are staggering. As we grow up, we learn that their sin is the reason for our disordered urges, um, the bodies and our, mind, our bodies and minds, the disordered urges. And to this day, we wrestle with the consequences as we struggle with our own behaviors. And some of this theology you're going to cover in your discussion later, um, but remember, we really don't have the answers. Um, there are God's mysteries here. There's many, many God's mysteries that we're not going to understand, and even the disciples couldn't handle all the answers, as someone pointed out. Um, but we know there are truths here in symbolic ways. So let's talk about Eve. Um, Eve's name means living, to give life. In Hebrew, it's related to the word for breath or breathing. And she was created in God's own image after everything else. Because creation was not complete without her. God helped Adam see that the animals and the birds were not enough to feel whole. And as another facilitator pointed out, notice that during the six days of creation, the things that God creates get more and more complex. But then, and they culminate in man. But then God's last act of creation is woman, the most complex of all, us. And the word God uses to describe Eve is a helper, fit for man. And it's the Hebrew word ezer, 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 I forgot to look that up, which a number of times in the Old Testament means nurturing, caretaking, making home and hearth, you know, referring to the ways that we as women are naturals in helping others, um, these traditional roles that have come a little under fire in recent decades. But this helper word, ezer, ezer, um, comes from two root words which mean to save and strong. And it's used many more times, actually 16 times in the Old Testament to mean rescuer, protector, savior, warrior. It's almost military. And it refers to God as Israel's helper in times of trouble. And I know you've heard some of these references, but here's a few. Deuteronomy. Happy are you, Israel, who is like you, a people delivered by the Lord, your help and shield, and the sword of your glory. And in Psalm 33, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Psalm 121. I raise my eyes toward the mountains. From whence shall come my help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So in addition to our traditional roles, 
God made us warrior-like in our protection of others. So we're side-by-side companions, equal in dignity and significance, but powerful in these ways. So Eve was a holy person in a state of grace who walked and talked with God in his sacred sanctuary. She She cared for his creation, and it was joyful and easy work. God designed the sacrament of marriage around her, so that a couple could be a communion of persons in which each can be a helpmate to the other, for they are equal as persons and complementary, according to the catechism. And God intended for Eve to know him and to live with him in oneness and to never die. Eve didn't have parents or childhood or a Bible or a neighbor, but she had everything. She lived in Eden with God. And because God loved her, he gave her her freedom. God gives us his love freely, and he made sure that we are free to love him because love is not love when it is compelled. It's not that God made us flawed. He made us in his image, but it's that he made us free. And Eve had a curious mind, a questioning mind. She appreciated beauty, and she had a practical side. You can see this in her conversation with the serpent. She also had an obedient mind. She knew it was best to not even touch that tree. But the devil studies our weaknesses, and he got her to question what God said and mistrust God's good plans for her and to doubt God's goodness. And how often does this happen to us today? We are all Eve. The early church condemned Eve as the one who cursed us all, a temptress, weak-willed, dangerous. And in many depictions of the fall, The snake is a mirror of Eve's face. But God had his plans for Eve, and so did Satan. The same as he has for you. To doubt God's word, to question his goodness, to make evil look so much like the good that you can't tell it apart sometimes, to discourage you with problems, to divert you, to make the wrong things attractive so that you grab at them, to make you love those things more than God, to delay you so that a good thing doesn't get done, to defeat you so that eventually you just stop trying, and to ride alongside you while you're hungry or angry or lonely or tired or sad, to make you think, what is God's plan here? Am I on my own? And God teaches us how sin happens. There's three steps. There's the temptation itself. And then we weigh it over in our minds, we consider it, and then we act. So we misuse our freedom and we use it to make a choice that is separate from God, that's something outside his will. And it's the separateness that's the sin. And the tragedy is not just that we feel distance from God, but it's then he can't use us for the purpose he had in mind. And Satan tempts us to make us fail fall down, to be discouraged, to give up. It's entrapment. Satan wants us to fail. Whereas God tests us. God tested Eve's obedience. God is always looking for people to produce fruit for him. He needs us to choose him so he can use us for his good plans. And he tests us. Testing reveals the truth of our love. 
It gives us a chance to see for ourselves. Where are we in our faith? And then we can accept responsibility and feel shame or sorrow, confess, and most importantly, move on. It's a reality check. Lent is a good example of this. We can get back on track. We can't spend the rest of our lives punishing ourselves for something. And if Eve isn't enough to convince you of this, then I don't know what is. Look how Eve got back on track, populating the world, handing down her faith. God used her because God uses imperfect people to accomplish his goals. Her identity was not her sin. Adam names her mother right after her sin. She still had a path forward. As St. John Paul II said, we are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures, but the sum of our Father's love for us. We believe someone can come, become a new person. And God reaches out to us where we are today. Refusing his mercy is a form of pride. He wants to forgive us if we will turn to him. But then we must forgive ourselves. To me, this is one of Eve's lessons. And it's easy for us to say we need to follow his will because sometimes we don't even know what that is. One of my memories of quarantine is staring into the backyard with another sink of dishes and tension in my household and about to lash out. And I stopped and wondered, really, really wondered. I wonder what Jesus would do if he had my job right now. Like, I know he would have a better solution than what mine was going to be. And then all of a sudden, I knew. And I did the exact opposite of what I was going to do on my own. And, and it had a healing power. And it was like he was just waiting for me to ask him. You know, he's just that he was there in my kitchen. Because God wants us to God wants us to share in his life. I mean, we can see that that was his plan with Eve. That was the original plan. It is still the plan. And it's harder to sin when your eyes are on him. I should have taught that to my kids. Instead, I taught them, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. But what I should have said is it's harder to sin when your eyes are on him. Um, Bishop Barron points out that the trees in the Garden of Eden represent all the forms of human flourishing, friendship, science, conversation, philosophy, intimacy, etc. All the things that make life wonderful. And God put us in a garden, not a desert. He wants us alive and flourishing. When God gets mad in the Bible, he's frustrated because we are holding ourselves back from flourishing. His will for us is really a garden. It's not a desert. He's goodness itself. And so staying in his will, to me, is like staying in that garden, living in that garden. But following my will, when it departs from his will, that feels like a desert. And we, we all know how that feels. Eve thought she could love God and love goodness. And she could hold evil and hold goodness. And that's impossible to do. But another lesson for us is to turn back to God and trust that he has you in his hands. Have faith that he is in control and wait on his plan. Because guess what? His plan's always better than our plan. And here's an example of that. When Eve fell, God came to her rescue with an amazing plan of rescue and redemption. With what? A bridge. A bridge back for us. A bridge between God and his children. A bridge called Jesus. And because we are a New Testament people, it's impossible to talk about Eve without talking about Mary. Eve is mostly called woman, 
not Eve, in the Bible. I think she's only called Eve once. Um, And Jesus refers to his mother as woman um, at two significant times, the wedding of Cana and at the foot of the cross. And we have no other examples of a Jewish man calling his mother woman. And then in Revelation chapter 12, there's a woman who gives birth to the male child. There's an evil dragon. God triumphs. I mean, all of these are references to Mary supplanting Eve. So um, both women were conceived immaculately. Um, The first one famously said no, and the second one has that beautiful yes. Um, So many commentators will see a straight line from Genesis to the Gospels, Mary as the new Eve, and Christ as the new Adam. Mary, um, and many say to focus on Mary's obedience and don't focus on Eve's disobedience. So yes, Eve is mother to all the living, but Mary is the mother to all born into eternal life through Jesus. Sin came through Eve, salvation came through Mary. Grabbing, reaching, yearning was Eve, receiving, vulnerable, submitting, was Mary. But keep in mind, Eve's line leads directly to Jesus, and she plays a huge role in our salvation history. She points forward to what God has in store for us. She's a living sign of what God's grace can do for us. One day in the resurrection, we will all be free from sin. And there's that beautiful irony at Easter, when we rejoice in Eve's sin, because it gave us our Redeemer. The sin is not good, but God uses it for good. He's always trying to bring about a greater good, despite what we do. And most days I fall so short of the Virgin Mary's example, and Eve makes me feel normal. But but I need Mary's perfect model, and I love having both, um, because Eve did as God asked for almost a thousand years after what she did. That took resilience, and that took faith. She bloomed where she was planted. And Jesus tells us in the Gospels, a tree is known by its fruit, and boy, was Eve fruitful. I mean, look how she passed on her her faith as well. Can you imagine how reverent a mother she must have been, having lived where she did? It's likely she never doubted God's goodness again. And I love that even though God was angry about her choice, we know he never abandons us. And so instead, you see, he prepares Eve for the coming of his son, and then he makes clothes for her. Because in her new state, she's going to need a dress when she leaves paradise. That's why I wore this dress. What a beautiful detail that was. I wish we could all try to see ourselves the way that God sees us. If God can use Eve after this, what can he do with me and what can he do with you? Never doubt, after reading the first few chapters of Genesis, never doubt that God has an amazing plan for you. And remember, you don't have to give birth to be a mother figuratively. We can mother neighbors, our students, animals, brothers, friends, the people in our office with banana bread and birthday lunches, maybe even the earth. But God gives us all many, many chances to mother. Eve's death is never mentioned, but she is technically a saint, Um, but only on her feast day, which is December 24th. So the rest of the days of the year, she's not a saint. But on her feast day, she's a saint, along with Adam. And they are saints who have been inserted into the saint calendar because of their repentance 
and lives of holiness after the fall. They never spoke ill of God, but instead worshipped and served him. They are said to be in heaven with God, saved by redemption. So when you grab onto God, you've got to let go of yesterday. We are all redeemable. We are all called to become saints. I'm taller than Karen. Um, <laughs> all right, Wendy, I'll start um, to uh, transfer you guys to your small groups, and you guys can go ahead and transfer to your small groups. Hope you have a lovely conversation, and thank you so much, Karen. That was great. <laughs>